Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. James, uh, we are almost at playoff time. Are you like feeling the regular season blues or are you still like intrigued by everything going on? Playoffs! Huh? Yeah. Nice try. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Playoffs! Do you uh, know who said that? Could you name the person who said that or no? You just oh, know what they look like? Boy. Me? Yeah, I, know, I definitely know what it looks like. Um, it's, it's a college coach, isn't it? No, it was a pro coach. He was the oh, Indianapolis okay. Colts coach. Oh, okay. His right. name was Jim Mora. Anyway, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have got that. That's okay. Yeah. So I thought it was a I thought it was a college game, and that's why I didn't. I, NFL man, like I honestly, Canada is interesting because there's you know it, it since I moved to Toronto, it's more common to be a fan of the NFL here than where I grew up. But it's it, it feels like there's some people that don't pay attention to it at all, and there's some people that just love it and live it. And I'm one of the people that doesn't pay attention at all. Well, I watch like the Super Bowl halftime show, and that's about yeah. it. Well, was CFL like a a big deal in yeah. Kamloops? Well, when I was growing up, it was for sure. Yeah, we, they used to have training camp in Kamloops, and I used to go every year. And we would I have I have got like pictures of me with like Doug Flutie and Ken Austin and like the, the quarterbacks it, of of the team and stuff. It was at the BC Lions. The yeah, BC right? Lions. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't name ten CFL players. Well, I mean the rosters change. I I haven't watched it in a long time, but you know, if you asked me twenty years ago, I could name a whole bunch of players. All right. Oh, Rafta, good start. Um, yeah, this is exactly what we set out to talk do about. Do you want let to me, answer me, my question? Though? Yeah, I should. Yeah, I should probably. <laughs> I should probably answer your question. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, thanks. I, I I feel okay. I think, you know, it's funny. Like, I think a few weeks ago I was getting like, the I felt like the regular season was dragging, but now it's like, oh, there's only like five, four games left. It's like, okay. You know, now it really, 
now that now I'm intrigued because we sort of know who they're going to play. They got these big games coming up against Tampa and Florida. Um, the playoffs are coming soon. You and I are planning on on being at, at the road games. At the, now it now it feels like you know it's go time, and you know a lot of what we're talking about and thinking about is <laughs> are the are the Leafs finally going to get over the hump and and do something in the playoffs or not? You don't have any answer to that yet, do you? Obviously, to if they're to if yeah, they're like, going to, does anything about the way they played in the last few weeks or the season like kind of change how you felt about them and their chances of getting well, through? Well, honestly, Jonas, you know what I would say is that the thing that kind of I think the Leafs have again, like last year, had like a really really strong regular season, obviously, and they're going into the playoffs playing really well. Yep. But the thing that that stands out to me is it it kind of looks like they're going to play Tampa, although Boston's only one point behind them. Tampa is not playing very well. Like no. if you watch the Lightning now, they do not look good. Vasilevsky has not played very well. They just I maybe they'll be able to flip the switch, but they look a little bit vulnerable and the Leafs look even more confident I would say than last year. So that doesn't guarantee anything, but that's that's a change from what I would have said, you know, at the beginning of the season because you can Tampa's just looking like like when you and I were talking about this, you were saying they've played so much hockey. Um, they're, they're, they're getting to be where their core is a little bit older. It's, it's just hard to do it every single year. And this has been such a condensed schedule and it's been such a grind with the, the COVID and the years in the bubble and everything. I just, there's a window there where the Leafs will legitimately be the favorite against Tampa, which I would not have predicted. Yeah. Well, the Leafs, I'm looking at the standings now for the league. They are now third in the NHL in points percentage. Yeah. Um, Obviously, they an passed, eleven one past Carolina, who's stretch, been struggling, yeah. and Freddie Anderson's been hurt, and yeah, yeah. So they've they've moved up, yeah, and they. I mean, whoever they play in the first round, they should be the favorite. Which is, I mean, they were the favorite in past years, but this feels different based on the way the team has played. I think Mark Giordano uh, has made obviously a big difference. Jack Campbell has come back and played well. Um, yeah, there's lots to get into. Um, do you, do you think it matters at this point, Tampa or Boston? Same thing? Mm, Boston, when I watch Boston, they still would concern me a little bit. Yeah. There's they're, something they're about have, the water there and their culture and like how they play that's just like, I don't know. I could see Berger, Bergeron somehow has had the fountain of youth and like it's just, it's incredible. He's having such a good year. I could see, you can just see a scenario where Bergeron, Marshawn shut down Marner and Matthews, and then all of a sudden it's a dogfight, and a lot of the games are low scoring, and it comes down to goaltending. And you know what, though, James, the only thing I'd say to that is that game. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, a few weeks back, when they went into Boston and they just whipped Boston. Yeah, that was like that. I don't know. I hate when you take like one game and you're like that means something, and like that is. Uh, Illustrative of well, what's going to happen. Do but in the that playoffs, was, though, but that was honest. pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. They got to do it in the playoffs. Like it, I know what you're saying. Like they looked really good in that game, right? Like they, they just looked, looked like, like the, the far better team. We saw some of that last year, though. In the during the regular season, it's like, whoa, you know, like remember when they played Edmonton and they played Montreal during the regular season? It's like this isn't even close. And then they go into the playoffs, and it's like different, different ball game. Yeah. Well, so, James, I, I think that would be the case with Boston. Like it'd be, it would be different. I don't think they're going to roll over that team. No. I mean, you, like defensively, Boston's like, I mean, you look at some, it's funny, I was going through some of the top pairs in the NHL, and it's like Boston, Boston, 
Toronto, Calgary, Calgary, Boston, Boston. Everything McAvoy. McAvoy is a name you probably that probably should be more in the Norris conversation. Like I don't know if he cracks that top three because the top three is pretty hard. But like Jesus. Well, if you look at the statistics that that Shana Goldman and and, and Dom Lecision, who are analytics writers for us, Shana uh, had a, put out a chart I think yesterday, and McAvoy was fourth in yeah, in the league. That in the sounds league. Right. like he should be getting Norris votes for sure. I think the impossible one to vote for, it, James, is the Selkie. Like I don't know how you're like I know Bergeron should be number one, but it's like how do you feel? Like there's so many guys, and like how do you weigh anyway? Well, that, it's that's always the one that hard. Takes that's always time. a it's always a hard one to vote for, for sure. I mean, I think that that's where some of these like new models and stuff like that are measuring defensive impact is going to be so important. Yes. The one that Dom seems to like a stat that's like expected goals when on the ice versus off the ice kind of thing. Like you can show the impact of a player. And I, I think Bergeron's are just completely absurd this year. You know, I would say that the Leafs have had a pretty good defensive season. They've allowed 237 goals this year, which is pretty low for the year almost being over well and especially uh, with how bad their goaltending was for two and a half three months boston has allowed 32 fewer goals over the course of the season so almost half a goal a game less and it's not like boston has world beaters in net like i mean swayman's had a good year and uh and allmark's been pretty solid but anyway i don't they we talked about this before in the podcast, but that going into Boston is just an intimidating place to play. They seem to have the Leafs number, and I know it sounds crazy, but I, I would I feel like they'd have a better shot of knocking off Tampa right now. We shall see what happens with the, the standings. Obviously, the Leafs will play in Tampa on Thursday night. By the time you're listening to this, they may have played Tampa, which is uh, an important game, obviously. Standings-wise, although becoming less important, the Leafs are eight points up on Tampa when we're recording this. James, because it's late in the regular season, I've granted myself the authority to play a game. How do you feel Uh about that? Uh Uh-oh. Game time. Have you ever seen the movie Game Night? Uh, Is that the one with... Is that Steve Carell? No, that's that's Date Night, which is also a good movie. What's what's game night? Game night is with Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. It's good. It's like it's not it's not the best movie. It's good. It's like it's a good movie. Jesse Plemons, I believe, is in it. Um. Anyway, it's it's our, game night on the podcast. Game day. Our our producer Punch says game night was so fucking good. So yeah, it is that's, good. That's that's a pretty good. And no, I have not seen that. It's so it's like a comedy then. Yeah, it's like a kind of like an action comedy. It's 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 good. It's worth. It's worth going out and uh, seeking it out and finding it. Also, James, the new Batman is is now available on uh, some streaming services. So, yeah, that's worth watching. I'm debating still going to the theater and seeing that one. Okay, it's playing in it's playing in my neighborhood. It's playing at the Beaches Cinemas, so I may go see it one night. Classic theater. All right, the game, James, and obviously this is is. Not great timing for this game, but I think it's it's relevant just because we are heading into the playoffs. Concern or not concerned? I think we played this game before. I should have like a list of games that I've created. So concern or not concerned, James? Trademark this shit, Jonas. Austin Matthews is injured. Concerned or not concerned? Well, from from what I know, it's a it's a minor injury, but eh. I don't know. I guess maybe a little bit concerned just because 
they're saying it's something different than before. I don't, I don't know exactly what the injury is. So what I, what I would say, Jonas, is that I th- I would say that Matthews has looked, the games that he's played recently has looked worn down and tired. Yes. He's looked, he's looked like, and, and it, maybe that was the injury that we were seeing, but it just, just his face looked kind of like, he just looked like this season had been getting to him. So, you know, I think it's good that he gets some rest. The only thing in the past is that what we've seen is that when Matthews misses games and and rests is that he doesn't come back at 100%. So I would imagine he's going to play these games against Tampa and Florida and, you know, maybe sit the Washington game or something. I, I don't know how they how they decide what to do, but um, it's too bad because, you know, he, he really had a good shot at Ovechkin's 65 goals yeah. and, you know, the whatever this minor injury is, is has has really obviously slowed his his pursuit of that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little concerned just because of what you're talking about. Um I went back and watched the Ottawa game, like just his his clips, uh his shifts, and the only thing I could say like stood out a little bit is he he wasn't skating like he he normally does. Um so who knows what the injury is, but it is I thought he was like tired or sick or yeah, something. Yeah, he looked a little my guess. Yeah, and and it's interesting like this is not a perfect comparison, but um, I don't know if you noticed during the NBA season, Steph Curry um, was chasing the all-time record for threes. Do, right. do you remember this thing? So he, well, I be- know that, that that was happening. Marcus Thompson wrote a great story for The Athletic about that. Yeah, so that became obviously a really big deal. And then in the aftermath of it, uh, Curry kind of got went cold and like... It just... It kind of felt like the chase be- was kind of exhausting and like you wonder if that's part of what you were seeing and obviously the injury plays into it but if he's not feel like jonas there for a stretch of like 15 games or whatever leading up to matthews getting the franchise record that he was just like on it every single night yes he was playing huge minutes and he was just dominating all over the ice and maybe he did expend more energy than he would have normally just trying to get to that that spot yeah it felt like for you're right like for a few games more than a few games, it felt like he could score four or five a night. Like he was getting that many great chances to score. And then in those last three or four games or whatever it was, it it didn't feel the same. Like that line wasn't uh, the same as it had been. He didn't look the same. He looked like, like you're saying, he looked a little tired. Um, but if he's not that, obviously that's not great for them because like if he, if he's playing the way he was playing or he's been playing for most of the season, they're going to be really, really hard to stop in the first round, second round, whatever, right? Like he, he was just like he was the best player in the league. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna like really cool it on like talking about not to be a downer or whatever, but like I think we need to see that from from these guys in the playoffs before. Like I'm, I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to go into the playoffs predicting that that's would they would they just. You know, I think Matthews is going to win the Hart Trophy this year. I think he should win the Hart Trophy. He's he's had an unbelievable season, but you know, it's it this series is going to be it's such a focal point for Matthews and Marner, as everyone knows. I mean, I'm not saying anything that <laughs> everyone listening knows, but ho- hopefully, he doesn't go into the playoffs diminished, and he can he can be the player that that we've seen for 70 games this year. Yeah, and that's why they have to be really careful with this, and that's why. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play in Tampa, if he didn't play in Florida. Like mm-hmm. you just got to make sure he's healthy for game one. And obviously game one's, I don't know, a few weeks away. Um, so they do have time. And if you look, James, like it's interesting. Um, 
since November 24, which is like that cutoff date when he really started to kind of leave behind the offseason wrist surgery. Uh, he obviously leads the league in goals by a lot. 1.64 points per game, which is also first. I think Marner is actually second. Drysaddle is four goals back of him, so it's not inconsiderate. If, if Matthews doesn't play or doesn't score again the rest of the way, then maybe that becomes close again. Yeah. All right. Next one. Concerned or not concerned, James? The power play is kind of looking a little raggedy the last little bit and hasn't. I mean, Neilander did score a goal uh, in the Philadelphia game. He scored quite a bit on the power play this season and, and recently. Um, but the power play hasn't looked great. And obviously not having Matthews the past couple of games impacts that. But any concern about the power play just because of how big an issue it was in last year's playoffs? It's obviously been the best in the league this season. Um, any concern about the power play? Concerned or not concerned, I should say. So they're down to... On the season, they're down to 27.7%, which remains first in the league. A lot of the other teams that were really hot have, have cooled off. Let me just pull up real quickly here. So since the beginning of March, uh, Colorado has the top power play, and then Vancouver's number two. The Leafs are down to 10th at 24.7. So, like, I mean, they're, they're still converting at a pretty good rate. You know, I went back, since we're getting ready for the playoffs, I was going back and reading some of like the preview content that we did last year uh, going into the playoffs. And it really struck me how a lot of what we were writing and we were saying was, you know, the Leafs have had a really great season. There's a lot of things that are going really well. But anytime it went to special teams, it's like, my God, is the power play terrible? Oh, my God. It was so bad. It was was unbelievably bad. It was the worst power play in the league. I think only Anaheim was worse for a huge, long yeah, stretches of the year, and we did this thing last year going into that series with Montreal. And I know no one, no <laughs> Leafs fans, don't want to hear about that series ever again. But we did this thing where Arpin Basu, who writes about the Canadians for the Athletic, and myself, we we kind of like debated and asked questions of each other about their team. And he he had one question like towards the end of the thing, the end of the conversation, and it was like, "Are are you worried at all about the Leafs' power play? It hasn't been." It hasn't been going very well. And I was like, yes, <laughs> this is this is a problem. Like, you know, if, if Montreal's smart, they're going to play like a pretty physical series and not really worry about the least power play because they just don't have it right now. And that ended up being, it was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was the deciding factor in that series, but it was, it was a factor. For I, sure. man, if it's not number one, James, it's number two. I think it actually might even be number one in terms of why they lost the series. But we, anyway, we shouldn't dwell too much on that. But so are you concerned at all from what you've seen in the last little bit, just because of the timing? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm a little concerned. This, the problem with this game is that you have to pick one or the other. Uh, no, you can pick the middle. That's not in the title, but you can pick a little concerned. You know what? Some of the recent games, the power plays looked okay. Like they've had some. I, I think it's more not having Matthews. Like he's such a big piece of it. I mean, the the good well, news is that you know what's interesting about that, James. He's not actually scored that much on the power play for like 30 games. Teams are taking him away, and what's yeah. happened, and which is something like. I remember talking about with you and writing about is they've done a much better job this year of making Neilander more part Whoa. of what's going on. And like you look, he has 30 power play points. He's first on the team. He's such a shot thread. Like his Neilander's shot has always been so amazing, especially when 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 he hits the net. So it makes sense that on the power play you give him a little bit of time and space. He's gonna make good on that. Can I ask you actually a question about that uh, before we keep playing our game? 
It's I funny, like so, Jonas. You look at his season and you look at the numbers and you're like, thirty-two goals, seventy-six points, point a game. I don't know that I'd say it's been like a great year for him. I think it's been a good year. I don't think it's been a great year for him. Like it's funny, like I think he I think that year nineteen twenty when his numbers technically aren't as good was better than this. The power play obviously wasn't such a focal point of his production. How like how do you feel about his year? Like I think he's been good. I don't think he's been great. Yeah, I think he's I would say he's been fine. Um a huge percentage of his production has, has been, as you're saying, on the on special teams. So yeah, it's like forty percent. He is he is tied for twelfth with Patrick Kane in power play points in the league. Uh, among forwards, he is uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He is tied for eighth among forwards in power play points in the NHL. Yeah, that's like the guys ahead of him. It's like McDavid, Drysaitel, Panarin. Ranton and Huberdeau, like he's 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 right up there among the best power play scoring forwards in the whole league. So it's it's a testament to, but I mean that's his ability. Like it never made sense before that he wasn't. He, uh, I mean they they too often they relegated him to the second power play unit, which made no sense given his ability. Yeah. All right. Uh, should we take a break and then keep playing the game, or do you want to do one more one more question? Fine, let's do one more, Jonas. All right. Actually, this is the last one I got for concerned or not concerned, and then there's other stuff to talk about, so perfect. Concerned or not concerned, James? Actually, I've got two. Concerned or not concerned? Besides Matthews, there are some like significant injuries that they're dealing with with uncertain timelines. Jake Muzzin, Andre Kasha, Rasmus Sandin. Peter Mrazek has kind of like fallen into the background, but he's hurt and we'll see when he comes back. What's your concern level about some of these injuries and the effect that they're having on the lineup? I, the only one that I would really, really worry about, and I'm sure you can guess who I'm going to pick, but yeah. the only one that... <laughs> the only one Actually, that, the one that, I didn't even mention, but go ahead. The one that makes you nervous is Jack Campbell and, yeah. and where he's at. And he's looked pretty good. Like I like the way he played against Philadelphia and you know it's Philadelphia and whatever, but... I think you just you want him to look, you want him to look fo- solid, right? Like I don't think he, I don't think you need Jack Campbell to to carry you in the playoffs, but you just need him to not be a negative factor for the team. Yes, you need him to be, and this is a reference that will make no sense to you. You need him to be Trent Dilfer, who is a quarterback <laughs> for the Baltimore Ravens when they had this like unbelievable defense. And basically, the thing with Trent Dilfer is just like just don't be, just don't throw picks, just be, just be fine, like just. Just make short little routes and don't turn the ball over and just be okay and let our defense dominate. This is the opposite, obviously. You know what's interesting, Jonas, is that I think Jack Campbell's season has probably been better than has been talked about on mm. on the on, on balance. Okay. Make the case because I don't agree. Do you know how many goaltenders who have been regular starters are ahead of them statistically? In what category? Let's say goalies that have played at least 40 games. Okay. In save percentage. How many goalies do you think are ahead of Jack Campbell? Seven or eight? Yeah. It's it's actually ten. But I mean he's like he's right in that group where he's he's like uh, better than average statistically. Because average this year has gone down. Well, that's the thing, is that like his his he's got a nine thirteen save percentage in a league where last I checked the average save percentage was like nine oh eight. Yep. So now can I make a counter? 
Actually, you, yeah, can, sure. you can continue to make your case if you want. Well, I think that, I mean, he was so good early on. I mean, that probably, that drives that number up a lot, but. Indeed. You know, on, that happens with goalies, though. I mean, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs and maybe his were a little bit more pronounced than some of the other goalies, but. I think it would be misleading to say Jack Campbell's had a really bad season this year. I don't think that. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I think he's been fine. Now, let me read you his splits by month. October. Yeah. 918. Just, just listen. Find an, October. Find goalie. I'll read you their splits. October 918. November 959. Here we go. N- December 909. January 880. February 894. March 845. Only two games. April. 906. So really, James, like there's one exceptional month, a couple like pretty good months, and then a few months of just not good. So like how, it's, how many really good months do you think that Vasilevsky has had this year? I don't think he hasn't had his best year, though. Uh-huh. And like he he has a much longer track record. He gets more benefit of the doubt. He Like Jack Campbell doesn't get as much benefit of the doubt. He just doesn't. He's got an 890 in April. The the problem is that uh, save percentage is so variable that if you take those like small monthly sample sizes where they're not playing a lot of games, you can get wacky results for almost anybody. Well, do you want to know it's nuts? I'm just, I just pulled up Shesterkin. 947, 920, 929, 947, 959, 916, 942. Woo! Yeah. It's good well, to have a good goalie. Anyway. Well, I mean, imagine where the Rangers would be without him. Yes. But so, so one person you did not mention actually a few people you did not mention in your answer to my question well, i only is, mentioned one you only <laughs> mentioned one so yeah so i think they're in a really weird spot with with jake muzzin because obviously he's dealing with something we don't know what it's it feels like one of those nagging kind of things because just the way sheldon Keith talked about it it flared up they want to settle it down the problem is like they're running out of time to figure out what their defense with jake muzzin looks like and you could almost make the case that their pairs kind of fit more, fit nicer or kind of work together better when he's not there because it gets a little like, I don't know, it gets a little more scrambly when he's in the mix because you have to decide, do you want to play Brody with Muzzin? Do you want to play Brody with Giordano? Do you want to play Brody with Riley? Do you want to play Brody with Hall? It's like their best combinations don't at this point include Muzzin if that makes any sense or they do. And it's just, we just haven't seen enough of it. I, at this point, I wouldn't be that confident in even putting Muzzin in the lineup. Yeah, but they're not going to do that, right? If he's healthy, he's going to play to start at least. I mean, they could always just say that he's not hundred percent healthy and yeah. or, or, or what you do, Jonas is you, I mean, the thing too, is that like Sandine, I wonder if Sandine might potentially be back and then that it looks like better, it. Yeah. It's starting to look like he'll be ready. Well, and the guy who's looked a little like fatigued lately is Labushkin. Now, I don't know where he fits in when everyone's healthy. Does he play? Does he not play? I mean, Lilligren has been so good now for a couple months, and, and some might say the whole year, that like maybe he can't come out. And and what does that mean for some of these other guys? Yeah. I don't know. The other guy uh, on the injury front uh, besides Sandin is Kasha. And, and I asked you a question um, on Slack. Can he really come back from this like in the playoffs? Like I don't that doesn't seem likely to come back from a concussion given his history and like not have any games and just play in the playoffs. That's like I don't know. Yeah. The only thing I would say, Jonas, is we don't have a lot of information about what's going on there. Like we don't know if 
Well, we, we, we what we can see we, is he has not practiced with the team. He's I don't think he's going to play in the, again in the regular season. Maybe like maybe he will. Maybe that last game. Maybe the second last game. It just doesn't seem likely at this point. There's just no practice time. Yeah, and and it does take it does take guys quite a long time to work their way back into game shape when they've been out for so long. And we've seen in the past with him that it takes him a while to, for lack of a better term, like reboot and get back to what he can be. And it, it's too bad. It's a shame because he's such a good player that I wonder, Jonas, if there's a world where he can be ready to play like fourth line minutes. Yeah, like 10 minutes a game. Yeah. yeah, maybe you just play him. Like yeah, maybe he's that's a good point. Maybe you consider him an upgrade over like Wayne Simmons in like playing nine minutes. Well, he definitely is. It's just like that. That's a really hard thing to to come back and have your first game be in the playoffs. And like you said, um, like Jake Muzzin practiced for like three weeks before he played coming back from his concussion. Obviously, mm. yeah. Kasha has like significantly more issues with that than him. As if anyone hasn't read your story about Kasha, go look that up. Um, and if you want, if you haven't signed up to the athletic, go to athletic.com slash leaf report. Yeah, it's too bad. My story was like a little bit like kind of like celebratory. Like, you know, he's playing well, it most should of the be season. celebratory. Been, yeah. It was at that point. Like, it's just, yeah. it's gone. And then it just happens again. And I mean, like, it's, I don't know. When even the like neurologists and stuff don't know what to do, it's I, like, I, I imagine the Leafs have, they haven't said anything. I imagine they've gotten him some of like the best specialists in the world to like look at him and he just might be one of those guys that are having a really hard time figuring out what exactly is going on in his head. Yeah. Very scary, for sure. All right. That's the end of my game. Did you have fun? And did I win? Yeah, you did. All right. Congrats. Yeah, well, then I had I had fun because I won. All right. We're going to take a break. I want to talk about the, the new lineup that they're playing with and trying out, and then we will get into the pod bag. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, James. So Sheldon Keefe is is doing something that I think is pretty interesting. Um, He is continuing to play around with not having William Nylander and John Tavares on the same lines. And what he is trying to do very clearly is create a little more scoring depth throughout their lineup. So for now, and we'll see if this keeps up by the time we get to the playoffs, that Engvall-Mikheyev-Kampf line is no more. Basically, they have decided we need that third line to actually be able to score some goals. Um, We've seen it for a couple games now. Do you like it? Do you think it has potential? What do you make of this experiment? I kind of I like the idea of having three lines that can produce some offense, especially in the playoffs when that's been a challenge in the past. 
Another thing I was looking at in our, our preview content going into the Montreal series, they kind of didn't try to do that at all. And that was before Tavares got hurt. And their plan going into the playoffs was to have a Riley Nash-led third line and then a bunch of old guys on the fourth line, and it really blew up in their face. Yeah. So spreading the talent around a little bit, I never would have thought we would see Pierre Engvall on like a second line playing with William Nylander, but he's played so well. And if you look around the league, you know, there's a lot of other teams that do things like that. Like, you know, Blackwell played a lot with Panarin on the Rangers mm-hmm. um, when he was in New York and played with Yanni Gord when he was in Seattle. And so now you got these guys that if they had Kasha, he would be another one of them. But, you know, Angle's playing so well, maybe move him up the lineup a little bit, at, at least at even strength, and then uh, move Blackwell up the lineup, who I thought played pretty well against the Flyers. And it's, I, I like, I like the look, Jonas, I, I do. And the other thing is that, you know, the Matthews line has been so good defensively that at least you've got that option. I just, the only thing I wonder is like, who do you play? Against? Let's say you play. Yes, you're in a playoff series Tampa. against. Sure, mm-hmm. you know who do you play against Kucherov's line? What 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 forward line do you play there? In this configuration, Matthews. Right. So then, d- does that diminish his his offensive ability? Do you mm-hmm. not worry about that? Yeah, because one of the sneaky things, and and you, uh, we we talk all the time. Obviously, one of the things that that comes up when you look at some of Matthews' competition this year. He's not doing that as much as he has in the past. Like his his share of ice time against that kind of competition has gone down from where it's been. I think the offensive zone start faceoff percentage is up. Um, like that's changed a little bit because they had that line. Yeah, because they've been playing Kampf in the defensive zone, and so. But you know, I I think it makes sense going into the playoffs to be a little bit more concerned about offense because they weren't the yes. last two years going into the playoffs and it really killed them like they really just couldn't produce so having and the other thing i like jonas is there's been a way more experimenting this year and trying different things and getting looks at different deep pairings and different forward lines and yeah you you've been on that for a long time that they should do that and i think it you're you've proven yourself right well, Congrats. the problem with the problem with not doing that is if you go into the playoffs and it and you just do what you've always done and it doesn't work. It, it also makes you really easy to game plan for for the other team. Like, yeah, you know, the coach looks over the history of looks at a bunch of film of the, your last fifteen games. Like, well, fuck, like they, they use the same lines and the same D pairs. We know exactly how they're going to play. We know their tendencies. We know everything. Where if you can mix it up a little bit, and some of the best coaches and best teams in the league really have different things that they different things they go to and. You know, I think that Sheldon Keith needs like three different options for his lines just to, so he can scramble, whether it's in game or between games or whatever. And, you know, what they're looking at right now, you wrote about it. I mean, Keith said he's he's really curious about Kerfoot, Nylander, and, and Engvall. And who coming into the season would have said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, let's no one. Play, Nylander, play Nylander with Kerfoot and Engvall. That's, but sometimes... You know, there's, there's, sometimes there's, it's like art and science when it comes to making line combinations, and the guys that are going to have chemistry together aren't always like the ones that, that make the most sense on the whiteboard. Yeah. And you know what, James? Like a few things to go through there. To your point, their, their bottom six in game one against Montreal last year, Mikheyev, Nash, Kerfoot is their third line. Thornton, Spezza, Simmons is their fourth line. And obviously they lose to Varis, but their, their third and fourth lines just, you're you're never scoring with these third and fourth lines. Like their 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 third line in game five, 
Mikheyev, Engvall, Simmons, like, and that was the same in, in game seven. Like you're th- those, that's that guy, they're not going to score. They, they give no chance to, to give you anything. Well, and that's what happened. Like and that's what happened. When, yeah. That's that, what happened. that series. Well, Montreal was, they had to know and they price was playing really well. And like their D was, was really guarding the front of the net and there weren't a lot of penalties called. There wasn't a lot of open ice and, they just the Leafs need to have creators on on more lines, and they need to make sure that. And so, if they go in with Mikheyev, Engvall, Kampf on the third line, and then you got the old guys on the fourth line, it's like I don't know. It looks like a little, maybe a little bit too similar to last year. I mean, better, but a little too similar. So let me ask you this then: um, Do you think a line of Tavares, Mikheyev, and fill in the blank, Kasha, Blackwell, whoever? That third guy is not Nylander. Do you think that line can score? Like, and and obviously, like we're just talking short series. Like, can they get you a few goals? Do you think that they can? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I think that that Tavares looks better playing with guys who can skate and who can get in the corner and get the puck. And I mean, he's still such a great shooter. Like he's he's still he still can convert. Um, you know, Tavares is he, he's not. With how fast the league is now, he's not going to be a guy that's going to be very good at chasing down the puck. So I think that they almost have to build a line for him with line mates for him that make the most sense. And Mikheyev and Blackwell, I mean, I I don't I I kind of I kind of like it. Like it, it's almost like he needs to be on more of a grind, even though he's a star player. He needs more of a grind line around him. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like you can't, and he also needs like really good defensive wingers with him. Almost mm. like it, mm. it's interesting that Kerfoot. Tavares Neander really had so many problems defensively. And obviously Neander's not a great defensive player. Kerfoot's like a smart defensive player, but he's not like big and strong. And Tavares is is slowed down. Like he's just not. So I wonder if that helps him having like Mikheyev or Blackwell or whoever. Yeah, I and, and like you're saying, I mean, you're not counting on that line. Really, what you're doing with that approach is it's kind of like the sum of the parts, right? Like you, yeah. you don't need you don't need that to be the quote unquote second line because you've got Nylander and Kerfoot on another line. Like you, you really, I think what you do is you have your first line and then you have two second lines almost, right? Like it's not like a one, two, three, four. Yeah, it's a good point. They well, almost need like one more impact winger for for one of those lines. Yeah, and, well, so that's my other question, James. Do you think Nylander can kind of power his own line? Well, I think the thing you have to keep in mind too is that one of those lines is going to be getting a lot of offensive zone starts, and one of those lines is going to be facing third and fourth lines. And I would so, think that Neilander would be getting those zone starts. And uh, Kerfoot's had a good year. I mean, you look at the, his offensive production; it's it's pretty remarkable what he's done. Yes, he is. What is he at? Like fifty? Is he at 50, 51, 50, now? 51 points. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good year. It's a very good year. I mean, he's a guy that that doesn't really get talked about and doesn't really and in the other Jonas he has one power play point, so it's almost all forty seven of his points are even strength. He's got more even strength points than Nylander. I see that. Yeah. What I think is kind of interesting about Kerfoot is like a lot of the times that I was writing about him and we were talking about him on the podcast throughout the year, it was like about his fit on that line, and it always kind of felt like we were. Or maybe I was like blaming him for that line not being good, which I wasn't trying to do. It was almost like what can what do Tavares and Neilander need to make that line work? Because obviously this is not working, and I don't see a world where Neilander and Tavares aren't playing together. Now, obviously, they are 
it looks like prepared to not play those guys together, which has obviously changed the dynamic. I, I kind of still think, James, that they're going to end up back together, to be honest. Well, like I like I was saying, I think that you want to have a couple of different looks that you can throw at the other team, and then the coach has to adjust, and he, the yeah. coach has to think think about his lines and his deep pairs. So maybe you have one co- configuration that's Nylander with Tavares, and then you have another one that's 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 Kerfoot and, and Nylander playing, you know, quote-unquote, down the lineup a little bit. I think that that's you want to have some some flexibility and you want to have a few different looks that you feel good about, not just that you've tried, but that you're like, yeah, there's there's something there that we like. Yeah, and it's like when you get into a series, and we saw this in the past, when something wasn't working, which had been working, they didn't really have anything to fall back on, and now it's like they've at least created some options. Like the amount of different combinations that they've had this year, like I could pull up the numbers of how many lines have played like fifty minutes, and it's probably a lot. Um, like they just have more in their, their bag, like things that they could pull out and be like, we know this works or we know that works, um, which they didn't have in the past. A lot of the negative conversation around Kerfoot has to do with the trade that he came over in Yep, and the expansion draft situation, but the expansion draft situation, it wasn't really a Kerfoot or McCann kind of, kind of decision. It was, it was a. McCann or, or Justin Hall decision because they could have the, the move they ended up making where they trade Hallander to Pittsburgh to get McCann ends up looking pretty brilliant because you give up this depth prospect that you don't really care about like maybe we'll play in the NHL but probably not going to be an impact player and you get to keep Kerfoot who's had such a, a big year I mean I, a lot of people are down on what the Leafs did at the expansion draft but the what they did to, to keep Kerfoot was I didn't see a lot of other teams around the league making moves like that. Like that was that was pretty smart that they did that. Even if you believe they should have exposed Justin Hall. Yeah, I thought like they they basically paid nothing to like keep an extra guy, kind of. And well, and like a someone who's produced forty seven even strength points, like a, good penalty he's, killer. He's, he's played fi- more than fifteen minutes a game. Uh, can play center. Know, and, Play right wing, can play left wing. <clears throat> they they without it like let's say they they lose Kerfoot in expansion and don't make that trade. So say that which would have happened um, if they hadn't. Yeah, which which would have happened if McCann wasn't there for Seattle to claim, and all of a sudden you know their their depth forwards aren't aren't as deep, and maybe they could have used that cap space and brought someone in. But you know as we as we saw with the players that they signed, it's. It, it can be difficult to find in free agency. Can be difficult to find replacements that that are going to be able to do what Kerfoot's done this season. Yes. All right. Anything else on the new lineup that that you're curious about? You're interested by? I think Engvall. I mean, we haven't talked a ton about him, but like the fact that he is now like a legitimate top nine forward is a big deal for them. Like it's it's amazing how many times it's like, man, are they just going to give up on this guy? He just can't seem to figure it out. And it's like now he's he's almost yeah. 26 and he's figured it out. I think that you and I were always in a camp that you shouldn't give up on this guy, right? Like I don't think that yeah. we ever argued that, you know, when, when they, there was like all the debates about Adam Brooks and some of the other players and it looked like there was a time where Engvall was going to end up on waivers. And Many but I times. just, I didn't know if, I didn't think his decision-making would allow him to be more than like a big, fast fourth line guy. Like I thought he would just always be kind of like a 10, 11 minutes, uh, good defensively big, you know, but he's just, this year is just a completely different level for him. And, 
the decision making piece of it seems to I don't I don't know the reason for that. It would be interesting to talk to him about it a little bit, but it just seems like he's he's figured out the NHL pace and now his his brain has kind of caught up to his feet, which I didn't know if we were going to see. Well, I guess you forget like he doesn't he still doesn't have a ton of NHL experience. Like he's well under 200 games, I believe. Well, he's a real late bloomer. Like I remember writing about him. Remember that one year he showed up at training camp? It's like, holy cow, who is this guy? Like he's six five and he skates like the wind. And yeah, I remember. T- I remember talking to Sheldon Keefe just like informally after one of the skates and be like, boy, this guy looks good. And he's like, yeah. He- <laughs> Sheldon Keefe says, I'm mean, like, yeah. He came over and he was just like amazing for us in the playoffs with the Marlies. And it's like, yeah, I can see why. And I wrote a big. I wrote. I talked to Pierre and I wrote a profile of him and how when he was a kid, he was a motocross racer in Sweden and his dad's a professional motocross uh, racer. Standard, Um, yeah. But at that point, you know, in training camp, it was like, this guy's a seventh round pick. He had played, I think, nine games with the Marlies and then in the playoffs. No one was thinking about him in terms of making the Leafs at that point. He was kind of like this big project. And look where he is now. Like, it's He's one of the biggest development wins I think we've seen in the organization because it's really incredible. But even over in Sweden, he was a guy that was playing second division for a long time. I think when they drafted him, he wasn't even playing pro. He was still playing in like the junior leagues there. He's a guy who's come from a long, long way in the last five or six years. Yeah, and outside of Engwell himself, like the guy who deserves a lot of credit is Keith. Like he's he's putting work with that guy. <laughs> like the amount of times like he's, I think, been frustrated with Engwell and some of the stuff you're talking about, some of the fact that that he's 6'5", 215, and a lot of time just didn't feel like that and didn't well, skate. Well, the, the criticism of him, and the reason he went didn't go to the, like, a guy who's 6'5", 215, who skates the way he does to fall to the seventh round, it's like, what the heck is going on? But the criticism was that he was a real perimeter player in Europe, and you could you could see that that was still there for a long time and I remember talking about Engvall about th- I mean I, this is going back like three and a half years ago Engvall said that you know the 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 team the Marlies and the Leafs were really leaning on him like use your body like you're you're big you're strong you're a good skater you got to get you got to play a little bit differently than you're used to and it, it feels like only now he's unlocking everything that he can do and will be a restricted free agent this summer a contract that should yeah. be interesting well, I, you know, I was, I've been always, I haven't written about it yet, but I've always been like kind of looking ahead to next year and the year after for the, the cap situation. And I was always penciling in a number for him, but that, that number in pencil is going to have to get erased and raised because, you know, he's going to have arbitration rights and he's had a really good season. Yeah. I, I, I always thought it was going to be right around the McKayev number, which is like 1.64 or whatever it is. Um, I think it might be a little higher. It's going to be like 2% of the cap around 2%, maybe a little higher than that. So. Mm. Anyway, uh, let's take a break. Let's get into the pod bag. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. 
The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, James, it is that time of the podcast where you get to pick through some great questions from listeners, from readers, and where I remind you to visit your local restaurants, support your local businesses. I think you've got like uh, some some local businesses you want to hit up this weekend. I know I had, I'm always raving about pizza places. I had a delicious pizza from Fourth Man in the Fire on Dundas. I recommend that to anyone who's looking for a nice quality pizza. Uh, they also have really good donuts, like unbelievable donuts. Do you like donuts? Are you like, you like muffins? I know that, but. Yeah, donuts. I mean, my kids are, I've been spending a lot more time at Tim Hortons the last year because my son started playing hockey. So we had a ritual where we would go, we would either go through the drive-thru or we'll just go inside. And my son, like, there's nothing better than, you know, you play hockey for an hour as a kid and then you get like a chocolate milk and a donut and that yeah. became our ritual. Our ritual all winter was his hockey ended two weeks ago and I've been kind of bummed out because we had so much fun going every weekend and doing that. But yeah, so I've, I've eaten a lot more donuts this year than, uh, than in previous years because of that. What are your guys go to donuts? Oh, I'm ba- I have, I really like, like, uh, like a good apple fritter is a good one. Wow. Was not yeah. expecting that. That's a nice choice. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, you know, my, my son loves like the chocolate glazed ones. That's that's usually what he hits up. Yeah, this place makes a, a nice one like that. They make like this cinnamon one. They make one of those ones like um, that kind of like melts in your mouth. Like it's delicious. Um, anyway, good spot. Uh, the restaurant I'll give a shout out to on the Danforth is Local 1794. Good oh, spot. What's that? What's their deal? It's It's like, I would say like high end pub high high end what do they call it comfort food it's a yeah. nice, really nice spot you would like it okay it's a bit it's a bit of a hike for you coming from downtown but it's a good spot all right that sounds good i really love on the danforth james allen's is so good like their burgers are just like unbelievable yeah yeah that's a good spot my wife and i go there and go in the backyard there there's also another spot i think it's called square boy on danforth which is just like ridiculous if you want like old school just like burger greek food you should come to my hood one night and we'll go to we'll go to a local and see uh you can see if you approve or not done let's do it all right question time all right jason wants to know any chance you'll host another pub night for subscribers those were those were a lot of fun i was thinking about that the other day like the the podcast seemed like it had more life and stuff when we used to do it in person sometimes i think was the last one of those we did in newfoundland or did we we maybe we did one more at the rivoli yeah the one in newfoundland was fun it was it was it was yeah i think i had too much rum while we were doing that one (laughs) um i'm just kidding but hopefully we can we can do that in the future once 
Yeah, we just we need the world to go back to normal. We're not, yeah, we're not quite there yet, but we would love to do that as soon as we can. So it's um, it's pretty cool to get you know a hundred, hundred and fifty people in a room and just and and we we would have guests and we have a lot of fun. Okay, Ryan wants to know: Is this what the organization always thought Lilgren could be after so much time with the Marleys? You want to take that one? Yeah, I think it's I I think they had many of the same doubts that myself, you had, people doubters had. I like I don't think this was a sure thing. And I mean one thing that I think is is notable um when Kyle Dubas spoke, I think it was either after the trade deadline or maybe before. One of the things he said that he was really curious about and I I thought like this is just something maybe you say was he really wanted to see, he said, what Sandy and Lilligren look like down the stretch. Actually, maybe it was before the trade deadline. Maybe it was like in January because it was leading into the trade deadline. Like, I want to see what these guys can do. Um, and obviously, Sandy's been hurt. But Lilligren really, after the trade deadline, especially with Mark Giordano, was just like taken off. Now, they still clearly have questions. Like, he has not played every night. They, there's still some question about him for sure he like he's still a rookie um, well it seems like the criticism that Keefe has made at least publicly is like kind of like the, his ability to clear the front of the net yes and like that's exactly it kind of like the the physicality in the nhl and, and strength and things like that to your point you know i know that there's there's been i don't know if skepticism is the right word but they they just weren't really sure what they had in Logren there for a while you know and that's part of why he was left cooking with the marley's longer than sandine is it's not that they didn't like him. They just they just weren't sure how his game was going to translate to the NHL. And credit to him. I mean, like, I didn't realize that his shot was as good as it is, but you know, he he some of his offense, you know, his his vision with some of his passing's been really good. And you know what's really improved, James, too, is his processing speed. Like the game doesn't feel actually there there are still moments. Um, where it's like, uh, like he, he, where he takes like an extra se- second to make a decision and hurts him, but that part is improved where it doesn't feel like the NHL is too fast for him. Um, like he, and, and you look now, he's playing like 20 minutes a game, like every night recently. And in fairness to him, he's not very old, right? So like he, he obviously still, he will be 23 in soon couple, in 10 days next, like, yeah, like next week or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's around the age where you want a young defenseman to start figuring things out. Like that's, you know, like, like we saw it with Travis Dermott, right? It's like, oh, you know, he's 22. He's still got time to figure it out. Then he's 23 and it's like, okay, is he going to figure it out? And then he's 24. And it's like, no, this is just what this guy is. Perfect, right? example. So, Perfect example where it's like, they were waiting for this. Like they were like, is he, is, is this going to happen? Like, is he going to figure it out at some point? And it's like, I think what's interesting is like, how long do you wait? And with Dermott, like they waited as long as they basically could. Like, like you said, he's going to be 26 in December. They waited, 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 gave him opportunity, gave him opportunity. It never happened. And obviously, Lilgren this is his first NHL season, and he's lately taken it and run with it. So let me ask you this, Jonas, and this wasn't the question, but like if let's just say you can you can trade anyone you want, you can re-sign anyone you want, and the cap's gonna gonna work out. What would you do on D next year for the Leafs? Like, do you leave a hole? Like, I think you, at this point you got to leave a hole for Logan in your top six, even if it's yes. on the third pair. Yeah, I think I think so. And I didn't think that before. I think, yeah, for sure. Y- you want him to be an every night defenseman. So, so like you go through the list. Like Riley's obviously going to be an every night defenseman. Brody's going to be an every night defenseman. Sandine, Logan. There's your. There's four. 
So then you got two spots left and you need to figure out, you know, is it going to be Hall? Are you going to try and bring Giordano back? Uh, are you, are you going to, are you going to keep Muzzin? Uh, um, who am I I'm missing? And Labushkin, are you going to try and resign Labushkin? So all of a sudden, you know, it's, they got some really interesting decisions to make on, on the back end. And obviously, I mean, like part of how they play in the playoffs and all that's going to matter. And part of what happens in free agency is going to be a factor because you've got some RFAs and, you know, you're going to have to get Sandine and, you know, honestly, as as terrible as it sounds, if Sandine would have played out the whole year and and put up thirty points and and you know his contract probably would have been a lot more lucrative than where he's going to end up, and that's that's tough luck for him, obviously with the injury and everything. But it does get them a little bit of breathing room. But on the flip side, you know, I think Logren's going to have earned a bigger contract than we would have anticipated with the way that he's played. Maybe I mean he doesn't really have like he's an RFA. He doesn't really have the production to justify much, right? All I'm saying is, like, I think that he, he he's he's put himself in a position. Unless you're just doing a one year deal, like if they want to give him some term, they're gonna the cap. It's gonna be higher than it would have been, you know, four months ago. I still think James, like, um, like looking ahead to next year, they still need to upgrade that Muzzin spot. Now, well, whether that's trading him, like, they feel to me still like one really good top defenseman short top four defenseman like they kind of need another tj brody basically yeah but don't you think that maybe sandine could or logren could do that like i almost think you go into the year next year we're getting ahead of ourselves here because we're on a we're on a tangent but i almost think next year that you leave us a hole in the top four for one of those guys yes but like so riley brody one of those I like, guys. And I like who? the idea of bringing Giordano back, especially if he'll take a, a haircut on the contract. Like if, if Giordano will sign for under three million or something, then I I do that. Maybe like you really got to be careful with older players. I don't know. Well, but anyway, I mean, they, I think it is. It's got it. It's got to be a one year deal. But you know, like if Giordano wants to play for two million or two and a half million, then yeah, maybe you can upgrade up forward and in goal. And 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 then and then you know, best case scenario, Sandine can play in your top four, and Giordano's only on the third pair. Yeah, but like, who's playing with Sandine? Yeah, I guess it would be Hall or Logren. Yeah, and I don't know that. that that's enough for me. Or you move Brody down, and you maybe it's Le, maybe it's Labushkin. Yeah, maybe. All right, we're at time to move on from the. But the, I just think it's really they have some interesting decisions to make on what their defense looks like next year, and the fact that both Sandine and Logren have have taken the next step this season is a real positive for the organization. Dylan wants to know what kind of contract for Jack Campbell do you think would be workable for the Leafs? Oh, I mean, boy. it's. We're going to have to see what the playoffs look like, and sir, I don't think the number is starts with a five the way that it did and early on. Does in, it start in a with a four? I don't know. I think probably around four is going to make sense. Yeah, I mean, you look at what other goaltenders who have done what, and like I said, if you look statistically, his year, like he's got thirty wins, he's got a nine thirteen save percentage. If if they win around in the playoffs, he's going to have a case to get starter money. It's so much going to depend on the playoffs. Yeah. And, and even then, no, James, like, they're going to have to, like, the other part, like, even, well, whatever happens with, they're going to have to, like, decide, obviously, what's going to happen with Mrazek. And they're going to have to decide, like, can Jack Campbell, what can he be? Like, what is he? I still don't really totally know. Well, the, and the other 
factor, Jonas, is there's not a whole bunch of goalies available in free agency. Like the Pierre Lebrun wrote a good piece last week looking at the landscape for free agent goalies, and there's going to be demand for Jack Campbell on the market, and there's going to be not a lot of other options. So if it's not Jack Campbell, the Leafs got to think about what are they doing in net. And you know what they need to actually, James, start doing at some point is they need to like figure out how to draft a goalie and like. I, I get the rationale behind like not taking a goalie with a high pick, but they haven't gotten anyone like anyone. If like James Reimer is the best goalie they've drafted in the last like 20 years, like that's, that's or, or bad. they need to like get better at like signing goalies out of Europe and, and, and finding college free agent goalies. And cause lots of goalies sometimes like they're not on the radar until they're long after the draft. Like the, yes. the problem with drafting a goalie is it's such a crapshoot because who the hell knows who's going to turn out. Yeah, and I guess I should say Tuka Rask was the best goalie they drafted, but in the last twenty years. But obviously he didn't play for them. But yeah, but like James, there are other organizations that seem to have figured this out. Like why does like the Rangers, like uh, Tampa, um, Nashville, like why are these? Why are there some organizations that consistently seem to have? Well, I think you almost need, and I, I this isn't a criticism of the Leafs because I don't know exactly how they go about this, but some organizations talk about like using someone who specializes in finding goalies to scout goaltenders. Yeah. Because it's it, like, you're, it's basically a different sport that the goalie's playing. It doesn't have anything to do with what the, like someone who, who knows what a good defenseman or a good forward looks like, like they don't necessarily know what a good goaltender looks like. Yeah, it's true. And and like you said, so much is like hard to project what a guy is going to be. But well, what look at the pick that the, I remember when being at the draft when Tampa took Vasilevsky, and and everyone was like, this guy could be like the best Russian goalie ever, and like and they got him like I think he was he picked twenty ninth or thirtieth or something like what a great fucking pick. Let's see where to get like a f- get a franchise goalie, and and the people were saying like if he wasn't Russian and he went nineteenth. Oh, I thought he was. I thought he was deeper. Well, in the and you remember, that. James? They traded for Ben Bishop, and then they had Ben Bishop in the meantime, or in the meantime, who was really good. And then they were like, "Well, we got this Vasilevsky coming. We'll trade Bishop, get stuff for Bishop, and then Vasilevsky." Well, and that looks really smart because you know, unfortunately, Bishop ran into a bunch of injury problems as he got older, and that's the other thing you got to think about with Campbell too. It's not just about what the cap hit is; it's about there's term too, right? Because he's not a young guy. Well, and he's he's obviously had injury history. Man, James, like he was, I didn't, I forgot that Vasilevsky was in that 2012 draft with Riley. You could make the case that, that he should have been the number one pick, honestly. I think he actually probably, like if you were doing the draft again today, he probably is the number one pick. Him or Riley. I remember that, I remember that draft really distinctly covering it. And I guess I don't remember it that well. If I thought Vasilevsky was picked at the end of that, I must be thinking of another Tampa pick. You weren't that far off, 19th. Yeah. But I just remember like people were saying like, People were saying going into that draft who knew goaltending that this guy should go top 10. Like, but you know, he was Russian and he's a goalie and, but they were like, this, like, this guy's unbelievable. Can you remember who was picked number one that year? The Riley year? Yeah. I, was that the year, was that, I'm going to get mixed up with. Just a brutal job of picking in the top 10 for most of these teams. (laughs) Brutal. (laughs) What, did Philip Forsberg go that year? Do I have? He did. He went eleventh right? to Washington, and then was yeah. I, I remember thinking that maybe the Leafs were going to take Forsberg, and then he ended up slipping, and then he ended up being a really good, a really good player. Who went first? Do you want me to tell you? This yeah, is the I, top I ten, James. Covering, covering that draft, I was really focused on like where the Leafs were picking around five. Number one, Neil Yakupov. 
Number two, mm-hmm. Columbus takes Galchenyuk. Ryan Murray. No. Oh, Galchenyuk number three, yeah, Galchenyuk to Montreal. Number four, whoo, Griffin Reinhardt, who played oh, thirty-seven yeah, NHL games. That was a bad pick. The Leafs take and then, Riley, and then at not five. only that, didn't I think Edmonton gave up two first-round picks to get Griffin Reinhardt they, after he flamed? He did. They did. Like, oh boy, Anaheim takes Hampus Lindholm six. Good pick. Uh, Minnesota takes Matt Dumba. Good pick. Pittsburgh takes Derek Pouliot, long uh, object of fascination in Toronto. Didn't work out. Jacob Truba goes nine to Winnipeg. Good pick. Tampa takes Slater Cuckoo at 10. So Tampa, as much as they knew about Vasilevsky, picked Cuckoo ahead of him. Who's like become like a, a once in every, again, NHL player. Forsberg, Grigorenko, Radic Faxa, ten, uh, 13 to Dallas. Anyway, you know, you look at that, job. Jonas, and it's like, they don't, no one knows. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> it's it's no. like, it all, it, it's so hard to draft in the NHL. It's, it's, it's really, really tough. If you can ever be a team that cracks that code, like you look at what Tampa, the way they've drafted and the way that Anaheim has drafted the, and it's, it's, it's a big time advantage because there's some teams that just, it looks like they're just throwing darts. Yeah. Well, like, man, like Vancouver, like Vancouver comes to mind when you say that, like they, they had these top 10 picks, like two of them, like ULAV, uh, and who's the other kid, the forward? Vertanen. Vertanen. Like, you just whiff. You get nothing. You lose. What is the line from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yeah. Yeah. You don't get the... Anyway, you get what I'm talking about. Let's move on I've to the next I've seen that. I watched that movie recently. I love that movie. Well, I, we, I did the book with my son, and it was, it was pretty... We did, the, we did the original, and we did the sequel, and then we watched the movie, and it was, we watched both editions of the movie, and... Is the Johnny the Depp one good? I've never watched it because I heard it was terrible. It's okay. It's actually it's, that's it, that's called Charlie and Chocolate Factory. The original is called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I just have nostalgia for the the old one. So uh, some of the changes they made in the new one, I, I didn't I didn't love. Uh, but it was fine. Uh, the special effects are like pretty are cool. Like it look it visually, it's pretty cool looking. Interesting. I might watch that movie soon. All right. Uh, Derek wants to know, are y'all excited to see the playoff atmosphere with fans in the building? It's been, it's been a yes. long time. It's been a long time, Jonas. What was the, it was Boston, right? It was the last time. Yeah, I guess so. It's been right? three, three years. Well, and I cannot express to you how bad the atmosphere was in those games when there were no fans. Like, it's so depressing. unbearable. It's, yeah. It's, it's really, really brutal. It's not like going to I think I think sometimes people think it's like going to like your local rink or like going to a small arena and it's not like that like and when you're in a big arena like that and there's no one there and and then they they had the crowd noise cranked and it, the, the building was super cold and they had the music cranked and it was it was it was very like dystopian is what it felt like Yeah it would be like like going into a big mall and just being the only one in there Right. Like it was just and, er- like, and everything was on full blast and <laughs> Yeah. Like they were trying to make it seem like there were actually people in the mall. It was in there's no atmosphere and yeah, it, like that's an advantage um that they didn't have obviously in the last couple of years that if they keep home ice that they'll have. Um and that's that's something. It's not everything, but it's something. Home ice is like it's funny, like home ice is not everything, but it can matter in a decisive game, not only because of the crowd, but because of last well, change. Just think about with 
with the Leafs series against Boston, if they didn't have to go to Boston for Game 7 and they yes. were playing in Toronto for a game, I, I think the outcome of one of those Game 7s against Boston could have been different. Well, because as you know better than anyone else, that building just like gets intimidating with how loud it can get and how crazy. If somehow the Leafs do play Boston in the first round and you're a fan who likes to travel, uh, going and seeing a playoff game in Boston is I highly, highly recommend it. I had, James, I had a few buddies who went down for, I think... It, Maybe don't wear your Leafs jersey because well, the fans there are like they, are wild. They did that and it I think they it was for Game 7. I can't remember which Game 7. And they like had to like sneak out of there in their jerseys just to like, just before things went off the rails. Um, yeah, I'm there. sure. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an intimidating building for, for fans and for players and it's... It's wild. Andrew wants to know if Muzzin and Sandine are both healthy, the other six defensemen remain healthy, who's in your lineup for game one? He says, <laughs> he says not necessarily the pairings. What what six D do you, would you dress? All right. Well, Riley it's hard, and Brody, it's hard with, like, we are, need to see what, yeah. I want to see what Muzzin and Sandine look like here over the last few games. Like, I don't love the idea of throwing Sandine in cold to the playoffs, so he's going to have to play in the regular season. There are three locks, Riley, Brody, Giordano, everything else I don't know. I bet you Hall's going to play. I think I think I I would have I think I would have Hall in my top 6. Uh I would too. and then, you know, Labushkin has struggled a little bit in the last couple of games. Yeah, and he um, worries me a little bit in the series against a team like Tampa, honestly. Part of it is is opponent, right? Like that's what I was thinking with Labushkin, like if it's a physical series and and the net front is is a factor, then then you want him to play. Yeah, like maybe you're more inclined for Lilligren, right? For that kind of series. Maybe. Or or Sandine. The problem yeah. is like if they don't have Muzzin, this is a problem that they've really confronted, is if they don't have Muzzin, they're they're a little bit limited in what they can do because they have to play Brody on the left. Now when Sandine comes back, mm. they get a little bit more flexibility, or if Muzzin comes back, they get a little bit more flexibility. Like ideally, James, like who should TJ Brody play with? I think it's a really interesting question. I think it, it almost seems to me like They've decided that Jake Muzzin needs Brody more than Riley does, and I think that makes perfect sense. I get it. Yeah, I'm not. I with the way he looks right now, the the way he looked when he was playing, Muzzin wouldn't be in my game one lineup. Would not. No. Yeah. I don't. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, but for me personally, he would not. Well, so let's say he is. Like, what? What do the pairs look like? Like, do you do Muzzin Brody? Do you do Muzzin Hall? Like, what? The, what do you do? It really is like it's it's hard because like I don't really love Riley Lilligren, honestly, all that much. I don't love Riley Labushkin like all like a lot either. I don't know. Nicole Nicole asked, should the Leafs dress seven D? No, the the problem with and I've seen that suggestion quite often because the Leafs have so many defensemen playing well and some of the depth forwards. The problem and and the it players will works. tell you this it, it it scrambles the pairings really badly and it scrambles the forward pairings like it fucks with yeah. two things badly. Yeah, at the NHL level, it it you want to be in a groove with your partner, know who you're going over the boards with. If you're changing the D pairs like all the time, it's it's it can be really difficult. Yeah, unless the players are really used to playing in a. There's there's few examples where it's worked, but not very many. Well, it worked for Tampa, but like, I don't know. I I hate it, and 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 I think 
I don't think Sheldon Keefe likes it either. He's tried it a couple times and always quickly been like, this doesn't work. Because like all of a sudden, like you're, you're messing up one line and then you're messing up another line and then you're messing up one pair and then you're messing up another pair. And like, you're never, everything is always a jumble and, and yeah, it doesn't work. I got one more Jonas and we got a, we got a bolt We're we're hitting up against time here. Okay. Uh, Barry wants to know, will Jason Spezza hit a thousand points? Does it seem likely he has enough fire in him to go for another season? What is he at right now? He is, I think it's something like, I want to say like. I got it. It is 992. Oh, he's even closer than I thought. I was going to say like 12 or something. So, yeah. I think he'll get it. I don't think it's this year, obviously. But I, if he comes back, like I could see him coming back, like you said, in like a part-time kind of 13th forward role. I think I said that before. Didn't I say that before we were recording? I think I said that when we were in like the pre-show oh, conversation. Yeah. I didn't actually say that on the show. Yeah, I, I said that, you know, I wonder if he, he can, you leave a little bit more cap space and he can kind of just be a guy that's in the lineup like half the time or something like that. Yeah, it's really slowed down. It's, it's something. I mean, it happens. Like he's 38. That's what happens. All of a sudden it's just not there. Oh, don't I know it, Jonas? <laughs> yeah. Is that the last question? That is the last question. We are, uh, I need to go. Okay. <laughs> I'm out of time. Okay. Well, if you're looking for a podcast, like a long, you just want to unwind and you want to just listen to something good, Tim Peel, the former NHL referee, joined Mike Russo uh, this week on Straight from the Source. If you're going for a nice run, you can plug that in, or you're just sitting at home, cooking dinner, whatever you're doing. That's all I got, James. Awesome. Well, that was a good show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for playing the game. You know me. I love the podcast games. Yes. Uh, so if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic uh, and you want to give it a shot, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. Go watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, eat at your local restaurant. Watch some hockey. Watch some basketball. Raptors are in the playoffs for now. We'll hope. We'll see if they, they can pull out this series against Philly. Doesn't look like it right now. Next week, Jonas. Playoffs. Actually, no. Another week. But yeah. Well, I'll have yeah. to come up with more games. Well, I think all eyes on the playoffs, though. It really feels like it's coming, and you know, it feels like it's it's going to be spring, and I'm excited. It's going to be good. Deal or no deal? That's our next game. All right, James. We'll talk next week. Goodbye.